Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good to see everyone. My name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at the Vineyard. And uh, this is your first time, like Brian said, thank you for coming out in the, well, what's remaining of a tropical storm. Um, <laughs> good to see you, and I do appreciate that. Uh, we are finishing up today a series. Four weeks we've been in this. I didn't say that, and that is things that uh, we may have believed that God said or the Bible has told us, but as we've looked at it, we found out. It did not say that, or God did not say that. And today's Mother's Day, which we so appreciate our moms. Can we just give it up for our moms here? Thank you. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's kind of like moms. All you moms uh, have times when your kids would say something to you, and you would go, I didn't say that. It's like, not, or I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant. Well, you said be in early, two o'clock's early, you know, things like that. And, uh, yeah, not, not so. In the same way as with God, we have looked at, like, God will never, things like, God will never give you more than you can handle. Uh, maybe you've said that to someone. Uh, God never said that. Uh, things like, hey, you know what? Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle, and it doesn't matter what you believe in as long as you are sincere. God never said that. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. God never said that. And today we're going to look at one that says, above all else, God wants you to be happy. Above all else. So you can pray for me as we get ready to pray and see how much trouble I can get in this morning. So let's pray and we're going to jump into this. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for us having time to celebrate communion together, celebrate uh, you, the price that you paid to restore us to yourself. We ask for your presence to come, breathe life on your word. Uh, Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. Um, Holy Spirit, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. place is all to break out at any moment. It's, it's probably not going to be pretty for some of us. I can tell you that right now. There's a reason I'm a musician. Uh, <laughs> now, happiness. Everybody loves to be happy. But think about this. For someone to be happy, there has to be a happening. 
there has to be, there must be something going on that makes us happy. That's where the word happy came from. There is a happening. And uh, not always do we have that. And so if you believe that, you believe that God's ultimate goal for you is for you to be happy, it leads us down the road to some, I think, misperceptions. And in your handout today, you've got a, uh, you've got a fill in. And if you want to follow along, you can. You should have a pen as well. And your first one is this. This is one of the misperceptions we uh, may take with us if we believe that. And that is, whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. That was a cue. It is. (laughs) Whatever makes me happy, if that's right, then whatever makes me sad, what? Is wrong. That's where that thinking leads to. It's just like a parent. If, you, if I ask you, moms, is your ultimate goal for your child to be happy? Think about it. At all costs for them to be happy. And we all want our children happy. We want to see them smiling. We want to see them enjoying life. And we love to see them at parties. We love to see them when they open gifts and you love it when your kid gets a base, you know, hit and he gets on and he's smiling and he's looking around. You love all of that. But is that your job, moms, to make your kids happy? Because if it is, then whatever makes them unhappy is wrong and then you're failing. And I think we could say the same misperception for God. Now, your second one is this. And that is that discomfort, delay, Suffering, inconvenience, and obstacles then, they can't be God's will. They just can't be. Because if you believe that God's ultimate will for you is to be totally happy, then the minute you start pushing up against something that's uncomfortable in your life, you start going, this is, this is, this is not right. This is not God's will for my life. And then uh, before we even know it, Your third one happens. Here comes the next conclusion, and that is, without even noticing it, I begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. That's where it leads. Because I want to be happy. I don't like discomfort. I don't like uh, when I don't get my way. I want to feel good all the time and be happy. Um... Back a few years back, uh, I get this phone call and, uh, from someone and said, uh, this friend was not doing good spiritually. And they had been so excited about following God and just been, it was invigorating to me. And, and I said, well, where, where are they? And they told me they were working on a hotel down on the ocean front and they were painting. And, and uh, so I went down and I found them working there and and this person was up on a ladder about 30 feet up on the side, you know, and just doing this, and they're painting. And, and there was a guy that had a ladder by him painting. And so I said, hey, come down. Let me get up there. <laughs> Went up, you know. And I, I looked over at him. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's, he's just weeping. And he's like, I've had it. It, it just, and he looked at me, and he says, Tim, 
it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not happening for me. Do you see this, where this leads? When things turned a little sour in life, then suddenly he didn't believe that God was working for him. And it's like, if this is God, then I know I don't want to go this way. I want to go another way. So this whole perception of God wants me happy above all else can lead us down some very dangerous roads. A matter of fact, it's like surveying. When I first got out of school, my first job was to survey. I was a terrible surveyor. I just want you to know that. I admit it. I mean, nowadays, you know, you guys have lasers and you can't computers and you cannot miss, you know, the marker closing it. Uh, Back when we used sticks and rocks and sundials, it was a little more complicated. And so uh, if you don't know, you try to close that. And to close it, how many people know how many degrees it takes to close that? You know, like you go around from one point to the next and you start adding degrees, right? And you close it out. Well, the thing is, if you start wrong, if I started from the first pin and I didn't get it exactly right when I put the transit, when I set it up and I shot the first shot, if I was off one sixteenth of an inch, then that means when I hit the next pin, I was probably off six inches. Then the next pin where I went to, I was off a foot. Then the next one, I went to two feet. The next one, maybe three feet. So when I added up all the angles, I did not close. I didn't close it, which means what? You got to do it all over again, especially bad when you're surveying 150 acres or so. It's taken a week to do it, and now you got to go back and do it again. If you start with an error, it only grows. And that's the same in our faith walk. If we begin our walk with God with some erroneous uh, belief, that the only way we recognize God in our lives is through our own happiness, then we are setting off in a, we're, we're headed in a direction that has some error with it. And by the time we get into life a little ways, we're way off the pen. And so we get disgruntled like my friend. We get to the point where he says it's not happening. There is not a happening in his life that makes him joyful right now because things aren't going his way. And so this is more, you know, it's a little bit more dangerous than, uh, than we think it is when we have these thoughts that God's, you know, God's highest for me is my own particular happiness. Um, and this leads, uh, you know, to the question, when does God not want me happy? When does he not want me happy? And here's your next fill-in. This will be your fourth one. That is... When it causes you or me to do something wrong or unwise. When it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. In Proverbs 14, 12 and also 16, 25. I guess we needed to hear it twice. Uh, God saw that it was put in there. He said there's a way that seems right. There's a way that seems right to us. But it leads to death. And many times, us seeking out our own, our own like happiness in these moments of time, like I got to be happy, I got to be happy, and it's just not the wisest direction for us. And it leads us to make some dumb decisions sometimes because we just want to be happy. Case in point, um, I used to play music with some folks, and one of the guys in the group, this was a Christian group, 
Uh, one of the guys in the group had a tremendous testimony. Uh, he had been a junkie for a number of years, over a thousand dollar a day habit. And uh, he, he had been in jail. His wife had prayed for him and fasted every time he got thrown into jail. And miraculously, one time that he got thrown in, he went to sleep and he woke up the next day with, I mean, no side effects. He had, I mean, he was well. No cramps, no sweats, no ants running through his veins, none of this kind of stuff that you would have normally going through this. So he gets out of jail, and he begins to share how much God uh, worked in his life, and he gets quite a platform at that time, and going from like these uh, Jesus festivals, and a couple of us joined with him, and we would play music, and it was, it was a tremendous testimony to God's grace and mercy. Well, one day I get another phone call from someone, and they go, hey, so-and-so is leaving his wife. And I go, What? What do you mean he's leaving his wife? She stuck it out with him, prayed for him when he was in jail, took care of their children. What do you mean he's leaving? He says, I don't know, but that's what I heard. So I hunt him down, and he is uh, he's acting in this particular um, drama somewhere, and I find him backstage, and, and I rush to him, and I'm like, what is going on? And these are the words that come out of his mouth. mouth. I have not been happy. And I know God wants me happy, and I've met this girl. And she makes me so happy. And God wants me happy. God wants me happy. When it leads us to making dumb decisions and unwise decisions, we really need to back up and go, isn't my happiness as important as the wisdom I should be exercising right now? Now listen, this is the vineyard. Those of you who come here, you know this. This is a place of mercy and grace, forgiveness. And we are all in this room, and we've got our failures, every one of us. But that doesn't stop us from looking to the future and going, we want to move on with God, right? So we own our stuff, and we go, God, you know what? I've done the best I know to do up to now, but I've messed up, screwed up, you know, every way I know to do. But now I'm trying to follow you. So this is okay. You're in the right place. This isn't to try to pile on guilt on the anyone. This is about us growing up, becoming a more fully maturing follower of Jesus. And we need to face these issues. That's the reason I did this four weeks. Because I don't want us to have that error that we take with us through life until we get to the end of our lives and we go, how did I miss it? I can't close my life out in any really good way because I kept, I kept this error that my happiness was more important than anything. And it just isn't. God is up to a lot more in your life than just your happiness from one happening to the next happening to the next. You see, he's taking you somewhere. He's giving you wisdom. He wants you to make good decisions. Here's another one like a job, okay? You got a job and you are not happy. Now, I'm not going to ask for hands right now because I know, there's, I know there's people in here. They're like, yeah, I'm not happy with my job. And some of you right now, you don't like it, you know. But here, here's the deal. God doesn't want you to be sad about your job, right? So his ultimate goal is for you to be happy. So you go, well, obviously, I need to quit my job. But you've got two kids at home. They need to be fed. But you're like, God wants me happy. So he will provide for me. He doesn't want me in this job. Now, what's wise? What's wise and prudent is to do what? Keep your job till you find another job. 
right? That's the prudent, wise thing. Even if you are not happy right now, that's the prudent and wise thing to do. Because as long as we're bounced around from one happening to the next and dependent on that, we never have this consistency of growing up with God. God is after, you know, when you came to Jesus and you began to follow him, when he called you, your life for eternity began right then. Not later, not down the road. Some of us are are thinking, or maybe you've been told that one day I will start my eternal life with God. No, your life started the moment you said yes to Jesus. Right then it began. Jesus went in the grave. He came up. He came out of it. You went in the grave through the water of baptism. You came out. You said, that was my old life. This is my new life. The minute you came to Jesus and you came out, you began your journey into eternity. And last week I mentioned, I said, what if you will be just like you are right now for eternity? <laughs> Think about that one. Or what if God is working in us and through us right now to prepare us to be who we will be forever? What if eternity started the moment we said yes to Jesus? The minute we responded to his call, then we're off into eternity. God is building our character. He's preparing us. He's putting passions in us, abilities. And that is the beginning of eternity for us. I believe that. And I don't believe it's like make a decision. Okay, we'll get back to this when I die. No, 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 no. Everything I've read in Scripture is it begins now. As soon as you start your journey, God is going to work in you to create in you and to make you the human being, the human being you were always meant to be. And the human being that you will be in the kingdom of God forever. That special creation. And so God goes to work on us. And he goes to work on us in our, the areas of our happiness because we can be pretty selfish, can't we? We, we want it our way. And what makes me happy can hurt someone else. And so there's got to be something else beyond this level of just uh, my happiness. So when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise, uh, then, yeah, God probably doesn't want you happy. <laughs> he wants you to do what's right, what's wise, what's prudent at the moment. Um, in... Uh, the scripture, uh, if I can find it here, yeah, Matthew 5, 8, where Jesus is talking uh, at the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart. And Warren Wiersbe, this wonderful theologian, says, We keep our lives clean. Holiness is happiness to us. Holiness is happy to not, happiness to us, and we want no substitutes. Now, let me ask you, what does holiness or being holy mean to you? Because there's going to be a big spectrum, probably wide spectrum here of people. Some people from a holiness tradition of churches think it's doing everything right. You know, you got the set of rules or, or whatever. What does God is holy, so what is He? He's separate. The theologians used to use the term holy other. God is holy other. And then he calls us to follow him, and he calls us to be holy other. And so the, the, the aspect of being separate to him, not talking about necessarily do's and don'ts. We're talking about our, our 
fervor, our passion to know Him, to begin our life with Him, and to become everything that He wants for us to be. That is holiness, separated to Him. Be holy. Be separated to God. Be who He called you to be, as He is who He is. And He is separated in who He is. That's our call. That's that's our call, and it's more, you know, it says blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed, that's when we're blessed. And blessings are a little bit better than even happiness, I think, being blessed. Um, your last one here is when, when do we want to be wrong? When do we not want to be happy, rather? Is when it only is only based on things of this world. When it is only based on the things of this world. And by the things of this world, I mean the system, the thinking. The world has a way of, uh, let's say, contextualizing things and giving value to it. The world will tell you what is valuable, what isn't valuable. The world will tell you whether you are valuable or not. The world will tell you whether you are cool or not. The world will tell you whether you are set up to be accepted by others or not. It will give you a list of things to look like, be like, smell like. Eat, drive, a whole list of things. And if we let that be a part of our happiness, like I cannot be happy without this car. (laughs) I cannot be happy without these clothes. I cannot be happy without this prestige. I cannot be happy without this talent or this ability. I cannot be happy without this, without that. When we get wrapped up in a world system where where we are dictated to about what is valuable, then, yeah, we don't want to be happy in that. I don't want to be happy. Do you want to be happy because of a happening of the car you have? Because it can break down. And then you're not happy. Or they repossess it because you can't afford it. And now you were happy when you rode around and everybody saw it, but now you're not happy anymore because they took it. Do you want, I mean, do you want to be subject to that kind of back and forth or do you want to be anchored? And something that's so long-lasting and it goes from here to eternity. We don't want to be happy in the midst of being held hostage in this culture. Now, I'm old enough to have seen so many things come and go. Disco, praise God, went. I know there's some people. I know some of you like it, but you will repent one day. And that's it. You will. You will one day. But things go and come and go and come, you know. And then one thing's cool and the next thing's not cool. And if we buy into that's the only way I can be happy, it'll be gone one day. What are you going to do then? Is that how you're going to live your life? Or do you want to live a blessed life? A blessed life. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we read, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. The fads come and they go. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. And that's what we're, we're in. We're learning to live the will of God. That's what church is about. That's one of the reasons we gather that and inviting others to join us and to be a part of that is we're just together trying to learn to live the will of God out together. And we're quite a challenge, you know, but God's up to it. God is up to it. And so our happiness is not 
the pinnacle of God's will for us. Not the top thing for us. As I was uh, doing research for this sermon, I came across Psalms uh, 37.4 because it said this. Some of you know this verse. Some of you have probably quoted it before. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We used to back many years ago quote that to one another and we wrote it on our, you know, in our homes and on the, just take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You take that verse apart, and here's what it means. Take delight. Because the Hebrew just has such a richer context to it. It means when you take delight, it means to be soft and pliable. Gentle. To live or spend time in enjoyment. To, I like this. Take exquisite delight in. And since this word, take delight, is not just used when it comes to God and it comes to the Bible, it's used in their everyday language. Part of it is use amorous behavior. Like you would take delight in, in your spouse. You take delight in someone that you love. The first part of this verse says, be gentle and be pliable and be, be soft and take exquisite joy with God and in God. And as you do, it says... He will give you the desires of your heart. The desires, listen to this, granting the prayerful petitions of those who love his name amid evildoers and troublesome times. As we find ourselves gentle, soft, pliable before God, as we enjoy our time with him, God listens to our petitions our prayers, even in the midst of a tough, very tough time. In other words, even in the midst of a happening that doesn't make us happy. God will be there and he will listen to us. And I wrote this out kind of in a paraphrase for us to pray together. So we're going to have it up on the screens. And I wonder if we could, we could do this. Can we say this together? Are you ready? Lord, I take delight and exquisite joy in you. I don't have to be anxious when I am in your presence or hard-edged, but I can be pliable and soft. I know that my prayers are heard, especially in those times when I feel under pressure or experience loss and challenges. Teach me to live a holy life full of joy with you. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.